With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Mike Dream, station manager for 810KLVZ. I met author, speaker, and discipleship trainer Mike Wolf a few months back through a men's group that we both attend. After listening to what he had to say in the group, I began reading his blogs, and his heart for men and challenging message for the church led me to ask him in for some interviews. Shortly after that, we began discussing a weekly spot so he could bring this entire message forward to our listening audience. I'm now proud to announce his new show, Voice in the Wilderness, beginning right now. Hi, this is Mike Wolf, and for many years I was a pillar of modern Christendom. I, like most of my brothers today, grew up knowing nothing else. I led Bible studies, I directed ministries, I served on committees and worship teams, but it became increasingly difficult to ignore the fact that no matter how many programs we came up with, nor how polished or professional the preaching and the music, the men in the congregation had checked out. Oh, they were physically present, but passionate, excited, reaching outside themselves in the building to bear fruit of a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. God began to open my eyes to the futility of it all, and so I left and started asking the Holy Spirit to show me what needed to be done and what role I could play in awakening my sleeping brothers. Voice in the Wilderness is the result of over 15 years on that journey, and I hope you'll give it a listen. While I am anxious to get on with the solutions, and I truly don't want this broadcast to be overly negative. Solutions can't be posed until the elements that are combining to form the perfect storm spiritually killing our men today are exposed. If I may, let me quote just a few of the results of the many recent polls that bear witness to the fact that what we're doing just isn't working. From the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life, quote, Mainline Protestant churches are in decline. There is a dropping confidence in organized religion, especially in traditional religious forums. Nearly half of American adults are leaving the faith of their upbringing to either switch allegiances or abandon them altogether, unquote. From the Reveal Where Are You study, which was uh, brought to light by Willow Creek Community Church, uh, which was a in-depth survey of eight churches and over 11,000 people in Chicago, we read this, quote, 63% of the Christ-centered, or disciples, are considering leaving the church with much lower levels of satisfaction with the church across the board. We may have put too much emphasis on the spiritual equivalent of the diaper-changing stage of care, leaving our adolescents to find their own way. We need to take out a clean sheet of paper and re-examine everything. Then from George Barna, who's done more of this type of work than anybody else, 
I'm just going to read a few of the very disturbing findings he's made. Quote, desiring to have a close personal relationship with God ranks just sixth among 21 life goals tested, trailing such desires as living a comfortable lifestyle. In a representative nationwide survey amongst born-again results, uh, sorry, born-again adults, none, let me say that again, not one of the individuals interviewed said that the single most important goal in their life is to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, unquote. The standard Jesus set for his church was the making of disciples. And when it comes to that standard, it's long past time we admit modern Christendom is failing our men, the ones who are supposed to be leading in their fellowships, their families, and their communities. As it was before when Jesus came and saved us from another failed religious system, it is once again time for voices to arise in the wilderness. Over the next year, this broadcast is going to be broken into two basic elements, exposing the problem and then discussing solutions. It's always uncomfortable having to face problems that hit so close to home, but we must understand what we're up against before we can learn how to fight it. So I'm going to spend a few months talking about why our men find so little in modern Christianity to excite them. Then as we move into discussing solutions to set them on a path to the great adventure that is the Christian faith, we will start hearing from men who are living examples of what it means to be passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. I'll hold interviews to talk to them about their journeys, their trials, their joys, and what exactly was the tipping point that led them to the fulfilling lives they now lead as fully-fledged citizens of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Men, I hope you will listen in and think about your experience of Jesus Christ. Not what you've been told, but your actual experience of Jesus Christ, your personal walk. Because if it isn't the most fulfilling, exciting part of your life, then you just don't know the Jesus I know. Ladies, I hope you'll listen in as well and think about where your husbands or your boyfriends stand and ask the question, would you like to see them passionate followers of Jesus in your families and in your relationships? So don't tune me out just because I'm talking to the guys out there. That said, here's an overview of what you can expect in the first segment of Voice in the Wilderness, Exposing the Perfect Storm. We're going to start out talking about the curse that caused Adam to fall because it's the curse that has been passed down to all of his sons even to today. To do that, we have to go back to the Garden of Eden. We're going to talk about the law that God gave Adam before Eve was even created. The law that said there was only that one tree they needed to leave alone. He had tasked Adam with keeping that law and protecting both his kingdom and Eve from violating, from violating the law. And then we're going to see how Adam was with Eve when they fell. So what is Adam's sin? It's apathy and abandonment of his post. We're going to trace that, that apathy and that tendency to abandon his post through the Bible to see where all men have inherited that curse ever since, even the mighty men of the Bible. Then we're going to move on to the perfect storm, what I call the perfect storm for Adam's sons. What is a perfect storm for a lazy, apathetic man who abandons his post? We're going to talk about Laodicea. Now, Laodicea is found in Revelations 3. It was the last of the seven churches that Jesus addressed. And the sin of Laodicea was basically 
an environment that had led them to think they were rich and in need of nothing when in fact Jesus looked at their deeds and said, but I say you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Laodicea was characterized by two things, a love of money and power and the delusion that that brings to to a society. We think because we're physically and financially set, we're also spiritually good. We're going to show why modern Christendom has followed this pattern and why the Laodicean society that we now live in and have for many years in America that bathes the sons of Adam in comfort and convenience, along with the Laodicean religion we've adopted, which is a doctrine and system that does the same thing through reducing Jesus to a singular entity of grace, puts Adam in the perfect storm to destroy him. We're going to go on from that to talk about the doctrine of the Laodicean religion. I call that the idol of grace. Uh, I call him the god of Laodicea. It's apparent that the Laodiceans had concocted or, or invented a god that they thought blessed their wrong thinking because they thought they were rich and wealthy and in need of nothing when Jesus looked at it and said, no, you're not. And so it's easy for us, especially when we live in in the same Laodicean type of society of wealth and power that they did, to concoct gods that bless our actions, that bless our wrong perceptions. We're gonna talk a lot about that, and I call him the idol of grace because whenever you take anything that is a whole and you divide it into parts and then you remove one part of that whole and you bow to it, that creates an idol. And what we're going to be talking about is how we have segregated our mighty God, Jesus Christ, into parts. And we've taken from him the parts that are comfortable for us, again, because of the comfortable society we've lived in and have gotten used to, And we've pulled that apart from the whole of who he is, and we have bowed to it. And that's why I call it the idol of grace. We're going to talk about Pharisees. Um, It isn't your doctrine that makes you a Pharisee. It's a doctrine that you hold to in spite of truth to the contrary that makes you a Pharisee. I'm going to ask the question, are Pharisees alive today? Which I believe they very much are. And we're going to talk about what it is that makes them Pharisees and what their doctrine today is as opposed to what it was when Jesus came. Then I'm going to do a, uh, uh, a survey of the aspect of modern Christianity where I think it's most clearly seen this delusion of Laodicea and this idea of the idol of grace and that is contemporary Christian worship music. I'm going to do uh, a survey of songs that are played on our on our popular Christian worship stations and prove to you that this thinking is just rampant in the church today. Then we're going to talk about the system. Once, we, once we've talked about the doctrine, we're going to talk about the system of Laodicean religion, which I ca- have come to call classroom Christianity. When Jesus came to this earth, he came into a system of what I call teachers and students. You had rabbis and you had 
the people in the congregation. And they would gather in their temples, and the rabbis would teach, and the people would listen, and then everybody would go home. And Jesus walked into that environment, and he said, I am the great, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I'm going to shepherd men. And the concept of shepherds and sheep is, is, is laced throughout the Bible. And Jesus came into a system that is so much like the one we've reconstructed today. And he said, no, I'm not playing that game. I'm going to be the good shepherd. And I want to talk a lot about this aspect of teachers and students versus shepherds and sheep. Because what we've reconstructed now is this, is this system of teachers and students that starts in our seminaries and then trickles down through our churches to the man in the back row sitting in the pew who comes to think that Christianity is a meeting in a building on Sunday where he's going to learn a lesson. And then he's going to go home, and 10 minutes later he's forgotten what it was all about. I'm going to talk about temple worship resurrected. Some years ago, God gave me a revelation that we have recreated the very same system that he encountered when he came into this world. We're going to look at Jesus and temple building and temple worship. How did he handle it? What did he do about it? What did he not do about it? Because that's very important too. And we're going to discuss how this man who grew up a carpenter completely rejected the notion of building buildings to honor God. How could that be? Then we're going to look at how all of this together has caused us to embrace a false perception of Jesus that is putting our men to sleep in the pews. It has caused us to lose a healthy fear of God, which in my opinion is the biggest problem with modern Christendom. We're going to look at what it means to have a healthy fear of God. And we're going to look through the scriptures, both Old Testament and New, to see that paradoxically, every good and wonderful promise that is to be found in all of the scriptures is found for those who fear God. Now that goes against everything the world teaches. Fear is something to be afraid of. Fear is something to be overcome. But in God's economy, a healthy fear of him is one of the most incredible, blessed characteristics that we can have. When we are finished with this segment of the message, which will be found in my upcoming ebook entitled Laodicea! Exclamation point, Pursuing Discipleship in the Age of Malays, I will share an overview like I've done today for solutions to our dilemma and begin interviews with men who are living the great adventure available on this earth. And that's following Jesus Christ in the great unknown of the faith, love, and good works. That's it for the overview. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things I offer uh, for those of you who are interested in looking into them. First, my website is thereconnectedchurch.org, www.thereconnectedchurch.org. If you go on there, there's many pages that you can surf. Um, there is a page that has my blogs on it. And then the other thing I'd really like you to do is email me at reconnectedchurch at gmail.com. There's no the in that one, just reconnectedchurch 
at gmail.com and ask to be on my blog and brief thoughts list. I like to send something out maybe once or twice a week. Typically, it's brief thoughts, which are very quick reads, less than 500 words. Sometimes it's blogs, which are longer. But I promise you I won't bombard you with specials and giveaways and 15 emails a week. So you'll get one to two things a week. They're hard-hitting. They're fast-paced. And I think you'll benefit from them. Now, the other thing you can do is ask to uh, be signed up in my Facebook group, which is Reconnections Friends. That's Reconnections, plural, friends. Um, A couple of books that you can look into, and they are on Amazon. Uh, My first book that I had published was called The Lost Supper, and that's L-O-S-T, kind of a play on words. The important thing about The Lost Supper is that it will really illustrate, in a microcosm sense, the big picture of what's going on in modern Christianity and this whole idea of the idol of grace and stripping the grace of Jesus from the command of Jesus when they when that was never his intention. Um, one of the places we see that most displayed in modern Christendom today is in the way we observe communion. Communion was the most powerful single uh, uh, event that God gave for us to deal with sin, to root out hidden sin for our emotional and spiritual health. But because we've taken the command of communion out of it and just made it about grace, we've turned it into something that has totally lost its power, totally lost its effectiveness, and completely lost what God intended it to be. So I hope you'll look into that one. Um, it's a great, I, I offer a weekend retreat uh, around the Lost Supper. It is one of the most powerful weekends. If you have a small group, whether they be men, women, or both, um, a weekend retreat gathered around the Lost Supper is a life changer. I guarantee it. So that's something I offer. And then the other uh, book that I have uh, in print right now is a devotional. It's called Praying Today's Psalms. Uh, around 15 years ago, I was introduced to the concept of praying the Psalms. It's an ancient practice that uh, was was very popular with the Jews, uh, especially, and, and today, even, even today, as I wrote the book, um, I talked to Christian ascetics, uh, Catholic monks, uh, several of those kind of people, and it is still one of the most popular disciplines in use today around the world for, for Christian and Catholic ascetics. And basically what happened with me and the reason I did a devotional on praying through the Psalms is I started praying the Psalms because my prayer life was really in the tank. And guys, I think you can relate. Um, I had a disease that I quoted a, a name for called mindless constant wanderitis. I would start out praying with all the best intentions, and two minutes later, I mean, I was talking to the birds, I was talking to the walls, I was talking to myself. Uh, I just couldn't focus. And when I was introduced to this concept of praying the Psalms, I noticed a focus and a, and a passion and a realism and a, and a relationship with God that was just amazing. But I also struggled with something, and that was that David and the others that wrote the Psalms, David was a a warrior king. And so 
he had a lot of struggles against flesh. And that was fine for David, but it's not fine for the modern Christian. Uh, We're to love our enemies, not to hate them. Um, You know, we're not to destroy their flesh or pray that their flesh may be destroyed. We're actually to love those people who hate us, love those people who are enemies. So I would would pick them up, and then I'd put them down, and I'd pick them up, and then I'd put them down. And then finally, um, I, I, I just kept praying, Lord, what can I do to to make this relevant and so that I can pray these psalms without stumbling over all of these, you know, references to hatred of flesh? And lo and behold, he showed me in Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms. And so all of a sudden I thought, hey, I do have an enemy. Satan is my enemy, and I can pray against him with all the passion I can muster. And so what I did was I, I, I took those, what they call the imprecatory psalms, and I took those references to Old Testament, you know, hatred against flesh and enemies and all that, and I put them against my enemy, and that freed me up to be able to pray them in all of their fullness. And once that door opened, I saw where a, a lot of Old Testament concepts, like there's a lot of references to certain geographical areas and things that just don't apply anymore today to the Christian. And I was able to transform those into New Testament ideas and New Testament thoughts. And so basically, praying today's Psalms takes the Psalms and New Testamentizes them to where the Christian can pray them in all their fullness. Uh, That is a four-part series. The first one is already uh, in print, and that's from... uh, uh, Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas, uh, my good friend and certifiable nut, uh, Eddie Jones, uh, the publisher there. And um, we are in final editing on the second volume, and then we're going to do two more. And um, they are, they're set up in, in a four-part. It's P-R-A-Y, um, Praise, Renewal, Application, and Yearning. And so they're set up to match a certain mood that you may have. So anyway, the first one that was published was yearning because we did it in a time when, you know, the world was in financial collapse and everybody was depressed and, you know, tough times about three or four years ago. Uh, The the next one coming out is praise. And then we'll follow that with renewal and application. But anyway, uh, you can check those out. I strongly, uh, I strongly recommend that if you're struggling as a man, particularly to find focus and find passion and find that relationship with Jesus Christ that is at the foundation of everything, that you do this, that you get praying today's Psalms and try it out. And I think it will greatly help you in your walk. Um, So that's basically it for today. And uh, we'll be back with you again next week with uh, part one, The Perfect Storm for Adam's sons. This is Mike Wolf, Voice in the Wilderness, signing off. You've been listening to the new Voice in the Wilderness broadcast with author, speaker, and discipleship trainer, Mike Wolf. If you're feeling led to know more concerning Mike's challenging message to men and the church, his website is thereconnectedchurch.org. Or you can email Mike at reconnectedchurch at gmail.com and request to be put on his blog list. You can find his books, The Lost Supper, and his devotional series, Praying Today's Psalms, on Amazon. Until this same time next week, 
Remember all you sons of Adam, we are made to thrive by joining the most exciting man who ever lived on the greatest adventure that ever was. We know we were made for so much more than ordinary life. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. Hey. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.